Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined here by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How you guys doing? Good, good. So the Star Wars trailer came out this week, and a lot of people are excited. And that brings us to Promote, Extend, Trade, where we'll pick a guy to promote, pick a guy to extend, and pick a guy Star to... Star Wars themed? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much better than wrestling. I can probably add something. I'm not sure if it'll be something of value, but... <laughs> well, I wasn't not really sure how much guy, you guys know about Star Wars, so I kind of kept it basic. But who are we going to promote, who are we going to trade, and who are we going to extend between a Wookiee starting pitcher, a hut catcher, or a Gungan shortstop? Uh, question, clarification. Mm-hmm. Can the Gungan use his tongue? I see no reason why he can't. I will consult the Google to figure out what a Gungan is. Uh, Jar 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 Binks. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, the obvious trade. I think is, I have my answer. Yeah, the trade <laughs> is the Gungan because Jar Jar Binks has has tainted that race forever. Um. Uh. All right, let's think. Would a really fat catcher be better at framing or worse? How hard is it for the umpire to see over his shoulder? Basically impossible. Okay, that might have value. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a full strike. I'm just going to guess. Uh, uh, and there's a, the Wookiee starting pitcher is going to throw like 150 miles an hour. It's, he's going to be a god. Uh, so that's Do we the, know anything about the uh, biological makeup of Wookiee's UCL ligaments? <laughs> no. Is it as <laughs> poorly designed as humans' UCL ligaments are? <laughs> I would assume. Yeah. Uh, another potential problem here, if someone bat flips on the Wookiee, they might just rip their arms off, and and that could cause some issues. Uh, um, I mean, well, problem solved. Just don't bat flip on a Wookiee. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe batters will be so intimidated they just won't swing. Uh, I'm going to extend the Wookiee and promote the hut. Yeah, that was my same answer. Um, the reason being that catchers are weird no matter what alien race they are, so. <laughs> that uh, is true. Let's, let's promote the pitcher. I am intrigued by the prospect of the defensive abilities of the Gungan at shortstop, but I don't think I could live with the speech mannerisms and general stupidity. Yeah, I think a Gungan short, they are a bit more dexterous than you'd give them credit for, but they are also pretty annoying. Like I mean, you said. The, ba- the baseball IQ would be like wood tier, not <laughs> not. <laughs> Lucas, what value do you think the tongue adds to? Uh, so for con- have you seen episode one? Uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. Yes. Many times, yes. Uh, so you recall the scene in in uh, Anakin's house where where Jar Jar is like eating the fruit with his tongue, yeah. and Qui Gon like snaps his tongue up. So I, I think like the using your tongue to catch the ball could increase the range of of the Gungan, right? If he can like definitely mm-hmm. catch flies with that right. thing, maybe we can catch a line drive with it or something. That was going to be my next question: is um, how do you think the tongue would work against a moving target? Which <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> if, you, if, if you can catch a fly, I think you can catch a liner. 
You know? Yeah, just I mean the force might be too much, but yeah, I mean you just do at least he could knock it down, and that has value. So yeah, yeah. But then they throw to the wrong base, probably, yeah, or yeah. accidentally give the other team powers to create a galactic army with infinite executive privilege. So you know. Yeah, they do that sometimes. <laughs> now we have gone too deep. Yep. All right. Well, Syracuse they went uh, four and three this week. And they are six and four for the year, which is good for a tie for third place in the IL North International League for uh, everyone who's still getting used to Syracuse. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they had a million games postponed because of rain and then poor field conditions. And as a result, they only played two games the entire week and they won one and then they lost the other one. So that puts them at three and two for the year, which is weirdly good for third place because their winning percentage and all that stuff is good. Uh, the St. Lucie Mets, they went 6-1 and one this week, which makes them 6-3 and three for the season, and that puts them in a three-way tie for second place in the Florida State League Southern Division. And the Columbia Fireflies, they went 2-4, and four, and they had a rain postponement, and they are 3-6 and six on the year, which puts them in a tie for last in the South Atlantic League Southern Division. So... Our players of the week, our hitter of the week, I guess we'll do first. And that is a name that should be familiar to all Mets fans listening, and that is Travis Tyrone. Uh, he's been around for a while. Tyrone was drafted in the 18th round of the 2011 MLB draft. So that was Sandy Alderson's first draft. He was uh, drafted out of Cal Poly Pomona, which is not Cal State Poly. They're two separate schools. And he was a senior signing out of Cal Poly Pomona. And he had a really good year. Um, he hit 392, 534, 477 with 16 home runs. So if you're going to sign a senior, make sure that you're signing a senior that is smashing the ball. And he, he hit the ground running when he made his professional debut with the Cyclones in 2011. He hit 299, 387, 557. But after that, there was always kind of a big learning period and an adjustment period every time he's promoted. And he eventually mastered high A and, he, and low A. But by the time he got to Binghamton, uh looked like Alex Nelson, who was our draft expert at the time. He His predictions basically came true. He said at the time that superior pitching was probably going to eat Tyrone alive. And that is pretty much what happened. Um he started to struggle to hit for average with the Binghamton Mets. And then even though his average went up when he went to the PCL, if you count, you know, PCL inflation, it was basically, again, a subpar batting average and subpar OBP. The power was always there from day one. It was always legit. Uh, he has, you know, a very big swoopy swing and nothing is going to take away when he really gets a hold of one and, and connects solidly. Um, he got some MLB playing time in 2017. He got into 26 games in the Mets, and he didn't do particularly good. He hit 173, 271, 269, but he did hit a major league home run, so he'll always have that. And he did have a walk-off single, and, you know, at, at, at nothing else, those are some I pretty totally good memories. I forgot about that walk-off hit. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't think that the outlook for Mr. Tyrone is particularly good. Um, he just takes big hacks. You know, his power depends on those big hacks. And big hacks means a lot of strikeouts. So it's kind of catch-22. Um, he's, he's been in the organization for like 10 years. 
So he's thirty. Yeah. I feel old. I know, I know. He just turned thirty. Um not a spring chicken, you know, time might be running out for him. So it would be cool if he got, you know, maybe I don't know. It would be bad for the MLB club, I guess. But it would be cool if maybe he got some more playing time this year. You know, got another taste of that MLB minimum salary. I mean, he because... might be in the conversation for, like, a September call-up, depending on how banged up the outfield is at that point. Yeah. I mean, he's been grinding away for 10 years, so he deserves a little something. Yep. Well, the Mets are not the best at uh, rewarding these kind of guys, I feel like, but... Yeah, I mean, with the whole Mezzarocco thing earlier in the year, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's not 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 a model organization. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, and it's you know not like he is a uh, Van Wagenen guy either. So I mean, even if there was if there was any kind of sentimentality, it would have been connected with Sandy, and he is no longer around. So we're rooting for the guy, but I don't know. I'm. I always want to know what keeps these kind of guys going so long. Like, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him or anything. I'm impressed by the the resilience to just hang out this long in the minors, which isn't exactly a fun job. Yeah, not no. an easy life. No. no, you don't make a ton of money. You're constantly on the road. You're still a professional athlete that's pre- expected to perform. It's just, it's rough. So good on him for sticking it out. I wonder if he like wants to be a coach or something down the line, and that's what he's angling for. Yeah. I don't. I don't know anything about his like off the field accolades, though. So, do not know, but we're rooting for him. You're playing for whatever. Space now. Uh, yes, what was going to be his ultimate home, regardless. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, and that now brings us to the pitcher of the week, and that is a guy that uh, another guy that Mets fans should be familiar with, and that is Chris Flexen. Flexen is 24 now. He's going to be turning 25 later in the year, in July. He was drafted by the Mets in the 14th round of the 2012 draft, and the early returns were good, but then he struggled in his first go-around full-season ball in 2014 with the Savannah Sandnats, and eventually he had to go uh, undergo Tommy John surgery. He returned about a year later. He looked good, uh, enough that we ranked him the Mets' 10th top prospect for the 2016 season. And he wasn't as impressive in 2016 because the peripherals kind of trended in the wrong directions and other players started developing. So he fell to 21 in our rankings for 2017. But, you know, there was still a lot of potential there. And he started the season, the 2017 season, on the DL. But when he finally got back on the field, all that potential manifested itself real quick. Uh, he posted a 176 ERA in 61.1 innings in the Florida State League and the Eastern League. And then he got called up by, uh, to the Mets in late July because of injuries and everything that was going on at the major league level at the time. And just as good as he was in the minors, he was as bad in the majors. Uh, he posted a 7.88 ERA in 48 innings. But despite that, he retained his prospect eligibility by just two innings. And, you know, we kind of looked past the bad innings that he pitched at the major league level, and we ranked him uh, the Mets' fourth top prospect for the 2018 season. So he started the 2018 season in Las Vegas, and he spent the majority of the season there outside of a couple of appearances at the major league level. And there were a bunch of factors, but his numbers kind of took a step back. 
And in 92 innings, he posted a 440 ERA, allowing 109 hits, walking 31, and striking out 78. But so far this year, he's looked pretty good. Um, he has a pretty big pitching repertoire, and it kind of feels like having access to so many pitches hurt him in the past. Um, when he came to the majors, he was throwing a four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. The season is pretty young so far, but he said that he scrapped the two-seamer and he's just concentrating on the four-seam fastball. So that's going to help. I mean, he's been racking up strikeouts, so it clearly has been helping. Um, he said he's been using the curveball less as a strikeout pitch as opposed to the slider. So again, concentrating on one pitch over another or having clearly defined roles for each pitch should be helpful. And the biggest thing, literally, also, I guess, is the fact that he lost a lot of weight. He lost about 30 pounds over the winter, um, just working out and going on a diet of eggs, chicken, broccoli, and cauliflower, which does not seem very uh, appetizing, but it got the job done. Um, a problem that he had a lot in Vegas and just in general was, you know, getting tired, losing velocity on his pitches because he was getting tired. So shedding all that weight should help. So do you guys believe in the new Chris Flexen? Um, I, I kind of do because I liked him in the first place. For, I, I, another comment though, don't, don't go slandering broccoli and cauliflower. Broccoli and cauliflower are delicious. I Get like out of here with this. I like broccoli, but I don't. I don't like cauliflower. But as a you know, only stuff that you're eating. I don't know. Um, no, I I can buy it. I really like. So so it, ignoring all like the off the field stuff, which I don't want to comment on. Like one of my favorite pitchers is Trevor Bauer because he spends a lot of time thinking and talking about what each of his pitches is supposed to do and how it's going to do that. And it seems like Flexen has put in some work this offseason to to answer some of those questions, right? Like, okay, I'm going to focus on this fastball, and then I'm going to use this breaking ball off it because of these reasons. It's like, okay, good. You have a plan of attack. You're not just kind of relying on raw stuff and winging it. You're thinking about how to actually attack hitters. So I, I, I like that. I think the minor league results in the past are encouraging. I think perhaps he's he might still be a reliever. Um Though at this rate, he's going to be starting instead of Vargas in like a month. <laughs> um, so I, 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 the, I, I think this is real. I don't think he's going to be an ace, but I think he's going to be a high strikeout, high variance kind of back-end starter. Um, yeah, I um, am maybe not quite that bullish on him, but I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be like a useful pen arm, um, especially – uh, I don't know. He's he's what like ninety two to ninety three starting. Yeah. If he gets a little bump there and really hones in on the slider, which, if I recall correctly, is why he kind of you know broke out, broke out being in air quotes uh, in the first place, right? Yeah. He, he just did. showed up with the uh, the Warthin slider one year. Right in twenty seventeen. Seventeen, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a useful pen arm. Um who can also possibly give you a spot start from here, uh, you know, every now and then. And, and we've talked about like the rise of multi-inning relievers. And if he yep. could saw into like, he's another prime candidate to develop, be developed. Yeah. As that. 
Um, I mean, there's functionally no difference in value between a you know a five and die starter and a multi inning reliever. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd argue. I'd argue one of those. Uh, you know. Well, maybe maybe with Mickey as the manager, there is a difference. <laughs> but like with appropriate management, I'd argue that a good multi inning reliever is more valuable if you have a couple of them. So, like yeah. I, I think there, I think there's definitely a, a major, a future major league role of. Not star level significance, but significance for Flexen. Yeah, I agree completely. Yep. The other thing I noticed about him, just flipping through like baseball savant stuff, at, like two in the morning one night, is he's really not repeated his delivery well as a big leaguer. Oh, he has not. Um, I'm really hoping that he gets you know a little bit of a command jump from you know just not having to carry around as much weight through his delivery. Do you think that's a? Do you think that was a function of him like getting tired later in starts and then losing his his release? Probably because um, most of the variability I noticed there was too small a sample in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think he only threw like 40 pitches, but it was a lot more like clustered because he was pitching out of relief. At least that being my theory, um, as opposed to when he was used mostly as a starter in 2017, where it's literally like two different hands throwing pitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, maybe. Was it was it pitch type specific or I, I mean I looked no, at all, pitches. Yeah. all the pitches just all over the place. Yeah, I could send you that later. Mm, I wonder if they have like an inning splits tool that'd be interesting to look at. But yeah, I think that explanation makes sense. Again, probably nothing, but possibly something. <laughs> no, but possibly <laughs> yes. Well, losing all that weight it can't hurt, especially given that. You know, he's specifically mentioned how, you know, just getting tired and especially, you know, um, we know that he's had a history of losing velocity on his pitches. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, that I think is, you could see is directly tied. So. Been downgraded <clears throat> from a triple C thick to a double C thick. <laughs> well, I mean, he, at, at most he was 260, which is a lot. So, yeah. I mean, now he's down to about 225, 230, which is, Still a lot, but not as bad. That's like a manageable, I guess. Wait. You said know. 230? Yeah, about 225, 230. Yeah, at, at, he went from being like Pete Alonso to like slightly less than Pete Alonso. That's like significant, you know? Speaking Just thinking well, in terms also, of like a big dude, you know? Right. Alonso carries it a lot better than Flexen did. Yes. Yeah, I assume a lot more of it is muscle in Alonso's yes. case, too. I mean, also everyone carries fat in different places, and fat in different places does yeah. different things to how to your dynamics. So, mm-hmm. genetics suck. Yes, they do. My column. <laughs> well, we will be back after this. Welcome back. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin, and. We'll start a new segment now. I guess I'll call it the bottom of the inning since we got all the other stuff out of the way. And we're just going to talk about stuff. So Kenny has a topic prepared for us today, so I'll let him go right ahead. Yeah, I wanted to talk about a uh, Mets prospect of years past that um, I always thought was was a fun dude. Um, His name is Dustin Lawley. The Mets drafted him in the 19th round of the 2011 draft out of the University of West Florida in Pensacola. And uh, he's just like a, like a big, tall kid, played a little bit of third base, some left field towards the end. And uh, 
the story of Dustin Lawley is basically the story of like all three three outcome hitters who don't develop the ability to walk enough. Um, like between double uh, advanced A and like a week in AAA in 2013, the guy hit. 35 doubles and 26 dingers and was still below average by um, on-base percentage. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the type of hitter. Um, I always found him interesting, though, because uh, a buddy of mine used to work for the Binghamton Mets, and uh, he gave me this gem of a quote from Dustin Lawley, which let me pull up my phone to read it. <clears throat> Whether you strike out or pop out, it's all the same shit. So you may as well just try and hit diggers. And honestly, um, that, that's how I try to live my life in a lot of Just ways. try to hit diggers. <laughs> just try to hit diggers. Don't worry about the rest, you know? <laughs> Reminds me of that great Josh Reddick shirt of how to bunt. Step one, don't. Step two, <laughs> hit a dinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dustin, Dustin Lawley was... <laughs> That before that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, he went on to have like a pretty good year the the next year when he was in Double A with uh, with my friend, um, in which he hit the the triple slash wasn't great, but he he did hit twenty nine doubles and twenty homers. So he was always a guy who had you know not insignificant power, just you know, yeah yeah big dongs. Real this big guy's dongs. like the ultimate beer league softball player. <laughs> I would, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised a. if that's what he's doing now, just destroying somebody's Sunday men's league. That's what Billy Butler did, apparently. Yeah. When he uh, retired and just started playing soccer. That's what I would do if I was one of the, say, top 2,000 players in the world. Mm. <laughs> just beat up on all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, the Dustin Lawley experience. Where do you wind up? So, in 2014, that was when he was in Binghamton. He ended up getting released somewhere in there. Uh, let's see. He logged about almost 500 at bats, so towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he was released outright or just released, like, on a wink-wink type thing because he signed with the Red Sox almost immediately. Um, was with them for a little bit in... Basically all of the 2015 season, except for the very end, when he found his way back to the Mets system um, and, you know, really didn't perform well before calling it quits after the, the 2015 season. Oh. I'm not really sure what he's been up to since then. Um, a quick Google search proved kind of fruitless. Yeah, it's tough finding out. I mean, once these guys go back to, like, private lives. Then... Yeah. A lot of Here, times the trail runs cold. Here's just a blast from the past. The Rotowire update on his Fangraph page is, Wally was released by the Mets on Wednesday, Adam Rubin of ESPN. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the tail end of the Rubin days. Right? Ru- Rubin is back. You, We have lobby. <laughs> a. Rubin. Is oh, correction. The- I, I know what happened. He was with the Mets halfway into the 2015 season. Mm-hmm. And then got released into the Red Sox and called it quits at the end of that season. Ah, uh, okay. just wanted to issue a correction in case Mr. Lawley is listening. Uh, well, I would get that Lawley quote on a shirt. I That's would fantastic. too. I would too. 
my friend has told me a lot of great stories, um, some of which are, you know, not particularly suited for a, pu- a public-facing podcast. Not safe for podcasts. <laughs> uh, that one is probably my favorite. <laughs> it's a good quote. So thank you, Dustin Wally. You will forever remain in my heart for dinners. <laughs> well, that I guess brings us to a pretty good uh, transition to Oh Yeah, That Guy. How perfect. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you have a separate guy, Ken? Or um, do I do not. <laughs> All right, so. Well, Dustin Wally is a trip down memory lane, so he is... He definitely would be considered one of, oh, yeah, those guys. Lucas, do you have anyone? Yes, I – so I – for some reason, a random name that popped in my head this week was uh, a relatively uh, no-name infielder that got a grand total of 22 at-bats with the Mets and hasn't touched the majors again since – That could be be anybody. (laughs) Yeah, it could be a lot. The Mets have had a lot of bad – middle infielders over the years. Um, but that would be Wilfredo Tovar. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> who, who I remember just because he's got, he's got such a great name. Uh, and, and then, uh, conveniently enough, I checked the week of the 8th of, what is, what is for April, uh, till the 14th of April in 2014, uh, where he hit a uh, Vegas-aided 364 over the whole week. Uh, the line was 364 uh, with a 455 slugging, and then also my favorite part, an on-base percentage that's lower than the average, which is quite possibly my favorite quirk <laughs> to see just because it's so hard to actually pull off. <laughs> they had a 364 average and a 348 OBP. Um, so he uh, made the major – he had made the majors the year before, I believe – um, yeah, he got 19 bats with the Mets or 19 plate appearances with the Mets in 2013. That was a lean year. Um, and got three more with the Mets in 2014. Uh, then wound up with the Twins, the Cardinals. He's kicking around the Angel system now. Uh, hasn't gotten back to the majors, but, uh, that was the guy I thought of for, for no apparent reason. Uh, if I remember like- correctly, he was like a defensively gifted, Middle infield utility guy. Yeah, he was like a proto Guillaume, except Guillaume at least has the ability, you know, contact, which yeah. Tovar didn't really have that much of. Wasn't like, he a guy that Omar pushed like really, really hard, like really, really fast? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. He's 27 now. <laughs> yeah, so he's pretty young. So I mean, in 2012, he was in Double A. So that's at 20, he was in Double A, which yeah. is unnecessary yeah like he was good in advance day in in 2012 and i'll give give him credit for that like he was actually quite good in advance day uh 256 plate appearances 11 uh, percent walk rate six percent strikeout rate 284 377 385 like, that's a good line in single a for and, and if it's someone you never expect to develop power then yeah it seems like they've accomplished that or completed what they need to at that level um but he never really got going in double A. Uh, he got promoted for like, – I don't understand how he got promoted from double A to the majors given that he wasn't hitting in double A. Um, yeah, he's never hit in double A or above. Yeah. 
I'm sure there were injuries to the Mets at the time. Yeah, oh, yeah like the, let's let's the, look at what who else was on that team. Oh, the 2013 <laughs> Mets. This is going to be bad. This needs to specifically. Like a, let's look at the uh, the middle infield. This who is was like the a, starting shortstop? Probably Tejada. Tejada. Uh, it has Omar Justin Turner listed as the top, but I, I assume he didn't get the most reps there. Omar, yeah, Omar Quintanilla, and then Tovar's oh. second or third in war. Uh, second, if we throw Turner out because he was more of a shift around dude. Yeah, uh, he was. He did provide more value to the 2013 Mets than one Ruben Tejada. So Ruben Tejada was um, three tenths of a win below replacement, and Tovar in his 19 PAs nearly one tenth of a win. Oh, great, great. So. I mean, they were both kind of the same prospect, and Tejada yeah. worked out better. Just yep. the way way it goes sometimes. Tejada hit a double A. Yeah, I know who in the big leagues. Yeah, Tejada, Tejada had a not non-existent major league career until Chase Utley ended it. Yep, pretty much. Well, he's back now. Uh, wait, who's back? Tejada isn't he? Is he? I thought they just resigned him. They did, I believe. Who resigned him? The Mets. Uh, for like triple A depth or double A. What? Yeah. He hasn't been assigned yet because he's in kind of extended spring training, but they did sign him. How did I miss this? Must win. (laughs) They're going to send him to Brooklyn because Brooklyn must win. Getting the band back together. Damn, I I totally missed this memo. (laughs) I know I saw that Kike Hernandez was using Chase Utley's bat, and I got, uh, the slack got irrationally annoyed at that. <laughs> he uses the bat too much, he became Chase Utley. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say, because Kike seems like a really fun guy. It's like, what? why must you do this? Um, but yeah, that was my guy for this week. Eventually we'll run out of bad middle infielders to talk about from the Met system, but we're a ways off from that. I do have one other thing to add about Wilfredo Tomar. Go for um, it. Also a story from my, my buddy who worked in, in Binghamton. Apparently he was like the mayor of Binghamton when he was there. Everybody loved him. Tovar? Yeah, he was just like this smiley dude who would go into the deli and they'd all yell, Willie! It's like the happiest guy you could see. So he will always have a special place in my heart as well. Awesome. Which uh, hopefully, I mean, the Angels are bad and also very hurt, so hopefully he gets back to the majors and gets a little bit more time. That would make me very happy. Yep. And there's always room for... Who needs, Mike, short stops. who needs Mike Trout when you have Wilfredo Tovar, you know? I right? think not me. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you have a... a uh, like... Yeah, yep. Yeah, from one forgettable middle infielder, I will raise you one unforgettable... Well, excuse me, one forgettable outfielder. And that is the swinging Samoan, Stefan Sabol. Oh, damn. <laughs> On the, the on the eleventh this week, he went three for five with a home run and four RBI in the Savannah Sand Nats win eleven to four over the West Virginia Power, and he was a big uh, part of that win. And yeah, there's I don't know, not much to say about him. His cousins, his his cousin was Troy Palomalu, the NFL player. So I never knew that. Yep. One of his cousins was Troy Palomalu, and the other one is Samoa Joe, the wrestler. Yeah, I and, definitely don't know that one. <laughs> but I also feel like all Samoans are related to each other 
somehow. So it's only like two hundred of them. Yeah, I mean they're all related somehow. But you know he was a noteworthy prep player, but injuries, kind of bad coaching, I guess, screwed him up in his brief college career. And then the Mets really weren't able to salvage much out of him. Uh, What's the career? story with his college career? Uh, he went to Oregon, Oregon State, and then he was drafted the next year, one of those, you know, draft-eligible sophomores. Looks like he was drafted in the 17th round, not once, mm-hmm. but twice. Yep. Once by the Braves in 2010, and then again by the Mets in 2012. He hit, let's see, 225, 326, 358 as over the course of his entire minor league career. And then he got released in October 2016. So he actually had a decent little run, but given the numbers that he was putting up. And his brother actually goes to USC now, and he's going to be draft eligible this year. So maybe he gets drafted and follows in his brother's footsteps. They've got some good athletic genes in this family. Well, Samoans are... I mean, if, if you if you followed wrestling, you would understand more, but Samoans are <laughs> I will like, not follow know? wrestling, Steve. <laughs> It's not going to happen. All right. Uh, I mean, even even getting to, like, this level of baseball is takes a lot of skill, so. Yeah. And, and it just looks like also, the oh. Go for the it. Go ahead. Is, he was originally drafted as a catcher, but mm. all the injuries from the later days in his high school days and then in college kind of made his being able to catch um, an impossibility. But maybe if he was able to catch, he would have lasted a little longer at those numbers. I mean, they're not good. It's not a good batting line at all, but you're always giving catchers, you know, some extra leeway. So he might have lingered maybe a little bit longer if he still had the ability to catch. His brother is a catcher, so maybe he'll get to keep the dream alive. I mean, a 24 year old, uh, 2016, if he was a catcher, it'd be 24 in double A. Hitting 229, 316, 362 with a 90 weighted. That's not a good prospect, but it's something. Heads to Tomas Nito's BB ref page. Yeah. <laughs> he had that random, he was randomly good in double A that one time and then hasn't hit again ever. He was a guy, if I remember correctly, like every so often you'd see glimpses of like, wow, there's potential in there. And then he'd have like a streak where just like, oh yeah. Never mind. Not good. Yeah, pretty much. So Tomas Nito at the age of 23 in uh, Binghamton at 2017 hit 232, 287, 354. So yeah. what did Sable hit? <laughs> 29, uh, 229, 316, 362. Yeah, so not that far off. Now, now this is assuming like he's... Like, Anywhere, you know, within the ballpark of Nito's defensive abilities. Right, right. But, Nito's you know, a really good defensive catcher. The uh, the bar is obviously quite lower for catching <laughs> prospects. And this is the like the last refuge for the... I feel like given the way uh, modern baseball is, this is the last refuge for guys who can't hit but can play defense. Like the, the all-glove, no-bat, middle infielder reserve has kind of gone by the wayside, but the all-defense... Catcher reserve is still pretty common. Oh yeah, that guy will so catch bad. for like 15 years. Right. So <laughs> if you can't they hit, stick around forever. If you can't hit, play catcher. Yep. Someone's or catch the be ball. a left-handed pitcher. Those that, are your two options. That too. <laughs> True. Oliver Price is still pitching, so 
It's wild to me. Who's wild it? times we're living in, guys. He was really good. Is... Okay, I'm going to oh, yeah. check real quick. quick. Dude, lefties yeah. throw forever. <laughs> I feel like he's almost on the verge of like a 20-year career, which when you think about it is insane. You are not far off. It's yeah, been I a think 17-year he... career. Yep, yep. Oh, he's definitely going to get there. Yeah. He was insanely good last year, too. He's, he's got at least three NRIs in him after <laughs> people stop, you know, giving him major league deals. Which Hey, I wanted the Mets to give him a major league deal this year. But. No, yeah, he was, he was actually really good. He's, he's been pretty good for a few years, I think. Yeah. Uh, depending on your definition of good. <laughs> we've, we've lost the thread again. Yeah. Well, does anyone have any last words? Anything? I got nothing. I was just going to say dinger. Dingers. Yeah, that's a good word. Well, since since <laughs> we're talking about left-handers, we should bring up Thomas Zipaki, I guess. Oh, I totally forgot. No. <laughs> I was I was to, I Thank you for keeping us focused. Um, <laughs> not an easy thing to do with us. <laughs> Let's try to help you out there. Uh, so, Thomas Zipaki. Yeah, so Zipaki's back. Uh, he only pitched one inning. He threw two uh, in the, the second game, right, Steve? Oh, yeah, yes. he stopped three innings so Did he start twice? He did start twice. Yeah. Um, and I haven't actually watched him because I was busy both days and I couldn't see MLB TV, so – or MILB TV. Um, but I think you saw him a little bit, Steve, right? How did he uh, – The velocity is not there, and that could mean something or maybe it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's still just so early. Yeah. But basically uh, – when was it? against Lexington two nights ago, and he was basically sitting like 87 to 90, which is far below where he normally sits. And he touched like 91 once, 92 once, 93 once. And I think the 91 was on like a pitch out or just a really, um, if not necessarily a pitch out, but just the catcher was calling for the ball very high up mm-hmm. to get a swing and a miss. So he was, it, it seemed like that when he was just really airing it out as hard as he could. And if you're airing it out at 93, uh, that's not good. But no. the curveball okay. was, you know, where it, should, where it should be. And the, the the command of everything looked better than it did in his first start. So it's it's a work in progress. And really, we're not going to know much of what yeah. any of it means for a while. I mean, but obviously, like you'd rather see the guy doing better than, you know, not. Yeah, yeah Lossie usually comes back first before anything else post Tommy John, right? I think I will say I I believe so. Yeah, um, that seems to make some sense. Um, but the the thing I'll say is even if he doesn't get all the fastball back, like there's still probably a big league future in there as long as the breaker, as long as one of the two makes it back, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like a good breaking ball from a lefty is still pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, he throws, you know, kind of low sidearm enough, low enough that there's, you know, worst case scenario, there is, you know, kind of hard to pick up left-hander with a good breaking ball that roll for him. Hopefully he doesn't come to that, though. Yep. Damn. Seems like the Mets get have a lot of these guys with rough TJ recoveries compared to teams like, I don't know, the Yankees who just turn every prep arm ever into a guy with pop-up velo. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. 
that might be a topic worth discussing oh. on a future pod. True. Flexen came back, all right. Yeah. But, like, Bobby Parnell, dead, yeah. gone. Marcus Molina, gone. I'm sure I could well, find a couple others. Wasn't the thing with Zapaki and, I guess, Molina also that they always had, like, very um, intense arm actions? Yeah, that was If you will. I mean, Molina's were, especially Molina's were like, criminal. Like, yeah, it and Zapaki's got better, but that was the knock on him when he was drafted, wasn't it? It wasn't nearly as bad as Molina. Yeah. Like, Molina just, like, actually hurt to watch. Yeah, no, he, he was all arms, no lower body. Zapaki was, like, half and half, maybe. Not as much as you'd want lower body, but... Well, uh, we need to sacrifice a UCL who's going to volunteer one for Thomas Zapaki here. <laughs> I'm not using my right one if he wants it. <laughs> Praise be to Dickie. I don't know if my right arm at all, so. <laughs> well, if anyone has any questions about that or yep. just want to make some comments. If you'd like to whatever, donate your UCL to the cause. If you'd like to donate your UCL Thomas to the cause. Thomas if you're listening and you'd like me to donate a, uh, a ligament, DM me. <laughs> you can DM Ken. He's at KenLavin91. You could DM Lucas. He's at LVlahos343. You could DM me. I'm at Steve Cypher. You could send us an email at the podcast, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. Just make sure to address it to Brian because I don't want to deal with the feds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. Brian's oh, no. going to get an angry email now. <laughs> <laughs> About what? Uh, Human black, body part trafficking. Offering, offering Thomas a Bucky, my right UCF. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he doesn't need it now. He might need it someday. <laughs> Boy. I'll put it on ice for him. Put it on ice. Well, <laughs> I'm going to put this podcast on ice. This episode is now on ice. Oh, we're not we'll, done? <laughs> we'll be back next week. And we will be recapping the second week of the 2019 minor league season.